everyone thought it was a fatal fire, but it turned out to be so much more. It's just, it's, it's hard to believe in our small community here in Lockport that something so awful could happen in someone's own home. I, all I got was a phone call from my brother saying my sister had died in a fire. In the middle of the night in October, a historic home went up in flames, killing a young woman. They believe she was murdered. Uh, we just didn't know how yet. As soon as more information about her death came out, a second fire mysteriously ripped through her house. Or was it planned? Um, and it was set by her son, uh, Caleb Bell Jr. Um, and he was subsequently arrested and convicted of arson. Many questions remain. This is Unsolved, true crime in Western New York. Welcome to Unsolved, true crime in Western New York, where we dive deep into cold cases and unsolved crime in the Western New York region. I'm Leanne Stock. And I'm Amanda Berg. This week, we're headed up to Niagara County to talk about a case that rocked the Lockport community in 2016. It's a case that many who live there are very familiar with. Yeah, it's a case of 55-year-old Holly Seiler. She was strangled to death, and then her house was set on fire reportedly to hide the evidence. Now, Holly's sister, Mary, tells us she was a mother, a veteran, and born and raised in Lockport. Now, shortly before her death, she had plans to leave the area and head south, but she never got to do so. This is one of the cases that you did in Unsolved previously. A lot of the cases we've done so far have been brand new to both of us, but this is one that you really dug deep on a first time. So kind of want to start with just asking you a little bit like an overview of this case. I feel like this case in particular captured my attention because of there's so there's so much to it. There's so many moving parts to it, right? I mean, people initially thought that Holly was killed in the fire. And then it turns around, the medical examiner says that she was strangled. And then more than 10 days later, another house fire happened. There was so much to this case that I knew needed to be unpacked, and which is what we did during the Unsolved TV series. So that's really what kind of propelled me to look further into this case. And so talking a little bit about Holly, you've showed me some pictures. She has blonde hair. She's smiling. In this one here, she's wearing a dark shirt. She has a cup of coffee and probably what looks like her backyard. And like you've said, she's the mom of two grown children, and they both lived there in this house. It was a multifamily unit on East High Street in Lockport. Yeah, the, the actually, that's kind of a key part of this story is the home that was set on fire was a multifamily home, and her grown children lived in apartments that were behind the home. So she lived with her kids, but they were in two separate parts of this home. It was a very big house in Lockport. And that brings us to some of the facts of the case. In this episode, you're going to hear from former Niagara County District Attorney Carolyn Witasik. Now, we've been following this case for Unsolved for a while, as I just mentioned. Like This long-form interview I did with her is from 2019, when our first Unsolved TV piece aired. So, let's start there. Take a listen. So, I can give you some of the basic facts, because obviously the case is still under investigation. Um, but this happened on October 20th, 2016. 
Um, there was a house fire at 605 East High Street here in Lockport. And Holly Seiler, um, who owned the home, um, was found deceased inside the home after it was burned, um, after it you know, was set on fire. It was clearly part of our um, investigation that she was killed prior to the fire and the fire was used to cover up um, her murder. We also sat down with Holly Seiler's older sister, Mary, who was living on the West Coast in Las Vegas at the time of her sister's murder. She actually moved back to Lockport solely to try and solve this case. Years later, I could cry. I could cry at a drop of a hat, but um, right now I'm, I'm more determined to find out what happened to her and um, bring her uh, death to justice. She described her sister as a generous woman who was working to overcome troubles that she'd encountered within her life. Holly was um, a funny person. It was something I really didn't know. Uh, usually when Holly and I talked, it was more serious or family issues or whatever. But when she was around other people, she her sense of humor, I, I would laugh so hard. I, 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 was all, I was shocked most of the time. And she was such a generous person. She would do anything for her friends, her family, um, no matter what anyone asked of her. She had a lot of issues um, and she was trying to overcome them. And um, she was a fighter and um, she tried to have fun and she had a boyfriend and um, things were starting to go her way and uh, until she was um, untimely murdered. Now, Mary said the medical examiner ruled Holly's cause of death as manual strangulation. But then, just days later, on November 8th, Leanne, a second fire broke out at the same home where Holly lived. A second fire was in the home, I believe, anywhere from like 10 days after Holly was murdered. Um, and it was set by her son, uh, Caleb Bell Jr. Um, and he was subsequently arrested and convicted of arson. And he spent um, some years in jail. He's out now. Um, he was on early release, I think. I'm not sure, but I believe probably because of COVID-19. Um, he's very violent. Um, obviously, arson is a violent issue. You know, how we approach homicides here um, in Niagara County, and I'm sure across most of New York State, you know, law enforcement, um, we approach every death as a homicide until it's ruled otherwise. Um, so this was investigated um, both by the police department and, you know, our fire experts in the county. And so what we, you know, this happened right before I actually got elected. Um, I didn't take office until January 1st of, of 2017. So this had happened. It was under investigation by the Lockport Police Department. And strangely enough, on November 8th of that same year, so this happens on October 20th, um, at, on November 8th, a, there was a second fire in that residence that was investigated. And um, the following day on the 9th, Holly Seiler's son, Caleb Bell Jr., was arrested for arson in the third degree. And he pled guilty ultimately to that charge um, in November of 2017 and he is serving a sentence of five to 10 years indeterminate in state prison for that second fire. But we don't know who set the first one Correct. or who killed Holly. Correct. But anybody who looks at this case from the outside would think 
Did he set both fires? Did he kill right. his mom? Was that a, a big avenue to explore? Of course, um, but we don't rule anybody out um, until we have evidence that shows otherwise. So um, this is still a very active investigation. Um, I do not consider this a cold case um, because we are um, looking at this. We are following up on leads still. This is not something that's you know, been put into a box and put on a shelf by any, by any measure. So what we did, um, starting when I took office, was to meet here regularly, um, once a month, sometimes, you know, every other month, depending on kind of the to-do list we left um, our meeting with. But I had everybody here. I had top prosecutors in the room. We had our investigators in the room. We had members of the Lockport Police Department. We had fire in the room month after month to go over the case, the facts of the case, potential suspects in the case, follow-up, to-do lists, further DNA to, to explore. So we have been actively involved in this case. And in fact, what I've done, I have two investigators. We're not a big office, um, but I've devoted as many resources as I can possibly give to this case because it's important. We want to find who did this. It's a, a horrendous situation. And, and certainly the family uh, and I have one thing in common, and that is we want justice in this case. So once the homicide investigation starts, mm -hmm. you obviously start inter interviewing everybody in Holly's life. Was mm -hmm. there any initial suspects that came out that said it could be this person, or were there multiple persons of interest? Um, at the time, there were multiple persons of interest, um, yes. and. And different family members have come forward suggesting a list of people who are possibly involved. So all of that has been explored and continues to be explored. And during our conversations with Mary, I wanted to find out what she thought about this case, who she believed could have potentially killed her sister. As we had mentioned before, there are many suspects in this case. Um, and Mary said that she has a hunch who the killer could be. And she had a message that she wanted to send to that person. Well, you're never going to have a life. You're never going to have peace. You're never going to have quiet. You're never going to have happiness. Um, I know you. And I know that if you don't come forward and pay for what you've done, um, you'll never have a life. If anybody knows anything, I mean, this was a very... Um... This was a very active fire, you know, everybody in, in Lockport knew of it. You know, I, what I think people don't realize is if they even heard a rumor and they think, oh, I'm sure, you know, the police already know that or, or I'm sure that person was just, you know, spouting off or, or acting like they knew something, you know, more than they did. I don't think people realize that that can lead us in a direction that we may not have gone down before. So really any information, whether it's third hand or you thought it was nothing, please call the Lockport Police Department because we um, will investigate any and everything that has to do with this case to see if it leads us to, to solving this murder. You still have to have closure. It would mean, it means everything. Now, we hope that Mary does get her closure, and as you may have noticed, 
we still have a lot of unanswered questions about this case. Yeah, we really do. And just to reiterate, the most recent information that we have from any authorities is from my interview with Witasik, which was back in 2019. And she's now a Niagara County judge, meaning she can no longer speak to us about this case. So I've been pushing the new Niagara County DA for an update to find out if anything has changed from 2019. Um, but he did decline to do an interview with us. To get another opinion on what happened to Holly, we spoke with one of our unsolved contributors. You may remember David Schmid. He's an associate professor at the University at Buffalo. He's also written books and has extensive knowledge about all things crime related. And Leanne, when I talked to him about this case, there were some things that he immediately picked up on, some different details that, you know, to the average person who doesn't have this background information, my mind was blown. On paper, this seems like it would be a fairly open and shut case. And the reason I say that is because if you start with the fact that you've got this group of people who are living in the house, um, pretty much there's your suspect pool, unless there was any evidence that the house had been broken into. Um, and assuming that the police didn't find any evidence of that, then the killer is likely to be someone that Holly knew. Um, now, it may be that if it was a multi-family home, it might have been possible to have someone get in and out of the house without the other people seeing them, you know, without the kids seeing them, uh, in which case it could be someone from outside the house. But again, if there was no evidence of a break-in, you're looking at someone that Holly probably knew well enough to let into the home. The other thing that jumps out at me about this case is the, the manner of death, like manual strangulation uh, as opposed to ligature strangulation or blunt force trauma or something like that. And the reason I think that's interesting is because, first of all, it, it really heavily weighs the odds um, in favor of a male perpetrator rather than a female perpetrator. I mean, you do have female stranglers, but very rare. Um, so it's more likely to be um, a male perpetrator. And I would say that because it's manual strangulation rather than ligature, you're looking at someone for whom this was a very personal crime. And talking to David always adds that extra insight into a case that we may not have seen when we initially were sorting through all the facts of the case. So we always appreciate hearing David's insight. And when we talk to him about these cases, we always ask him, you know, the likelihood of a case getting solved based on the basic facts that he knows and he's read about the case. Absent of either a member of the family coming forward with new information or the perpetrator themselves coming forward, this is another one of those cases that it's difficult to see how it's going to be resolved at this point, um, unless someone decides to sort of break this conspiracy of silence that may be going on and come forward. And as always, as we wrap up our podcast here, we always want to encourage people to make sure that they contact police if they know anything about these cold cases. It's kind of the whole purpose of making sure that we're sharing information and getting the word out about these unsolved crimes. So if you do have any information about this case, you are asked to contact the Lockport Police Department or the Niagara County District Attorney's Office. Right, Leanne. And 
if we sound like broken records at the end of every podcast, it's because truly the one thing I think we've heard every single time, and I'm sure you can attest for from doing a year's worth of Unsolved on TV, is that even if it's a very little detail and you think it's not very relevant, it matters. It could change, you know, it could be the detail they're looking for. So if you do have any of that information, we'll have the contact info on our website, WGRZ.com. Um, and of course, like this episode, we plan to continue to update and expand on the cases that we covered in the past, bring you new stories each week of Western New Yorkers who are searching for justice. And in the meantime, feel free to follow us on Twitter. You can find me. I'm at Leanne Stuck. And I'm at Amanda underscore Berg 16. We definitely want to hear from you, hear what you have to say about the podcast. If you have any cases that have to do with Western New York, send them our way. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for another episode of Unsolved True Crime in Western New York.